Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. I want you to turn with me in your Bible this morning. Turn to the 8th chapter of the Gospel of John. John chapter 8 and verse number 32 says, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. This is July 4th, 2021. And all of us know that this is known in our nation as Independence Day. It's a day when Americans stop and reflect on the freedom and the liberty that has been granted to us. And so this verse here says, you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. You see, truth is what makes people free. God alone is the only one who can truly make a person free. Our forefathers acted on biblical principles, a.k.a. the truth. And that truth gave birth to the freest nation this world has ever known. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Verse 36 says, therefore, if the son makes you free you shall be free indeed. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I want to do things a little bit different this morning. So looking back here, weren't we having communion this morning? I don't see it. Where is it? Oh, it's it's, it's behind the the, the, uh, camera stand. Is that where it is? Okay, that's why I'm looking back here going, where's communion set up? I want to do things a little bit different. I want to talk for a few minutes. Then we're going to have communion, and then I'm going to talk for another few minutes. Is that okay with you? Praise the Lord. First of all, I want to talk about five things we are free from in Christ Jesus. If the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. I want to talk about, did I say five things? Yeah, five. The reason I, I, I kind of stumbled on that was because at one point in my notes there were seven things, but I kind of con- consolidated at the last minute, and there are five things. I know seven is the perfect number, but I got five. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Go with me to Romans chapter eight. Real quick now. Turn real fast. We don't have time for slow turners. Romans chapter eight, verse, or or whatever you do on your tablet. Whatever you do. What is it you do? Swiping, slow swipers. Therefore, If therefore, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Now listen to this. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Glory to God. The first thing is really two things. They're related. Sin and spiritual death. We have been freed from the law of sin and spiritual death. 
Now make no mistake, there is a law of sin. If you don't believe it, ask your spouse (laughs) if you're married. The sin nature is in the flesh and it's a law. There is the law of spiritual death because God said, in the day that you turn your back on me and disobey me, you shall surely die. There's a law of sin and death. But this verse says that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. Now, this is in the eighth chapter of Romans. Turn over to the sixth chapter. I'm gonna have to hurry. Verse number six, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that is with Christ, that the body of sin, that is the sin-controlled body, or you could say the sin nature of the body, might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, in verse number six, most people make the mistake of reading these passages and trying to make them true by our effort. We, we read verse six, and of course, when it says that the body of sin or the sin nature of the flesh might be done away with, that's probably one of the worst translations or, or, or it's one of the greatest examples of a bad translation in the Bible. Because if, you, if, you, if you're honest about yourself, you know that the sin nature of the flesh has not passed away. What this literally means, it means to render powerless. That the sin nature of the flesh would be rendered powerless. This word uh, is also translated dethroned in some translations. You know what, when somebody is dethroned, when you think of the word dethroned, you think of a monarch, you think of a king or someone, you know, in a, in a, in a royal position. If they're dethroned, they're removed from their rulership. They're brought down. They're no longer enthroned. They're no longer in charge. That the sin nature of the flesh would no longer be in charge, would no longer rule. Then it goes on to say, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Like I said, most, most Christians read this and they try to make it true. Oh, if I can somehow figure out how to make this work, how to make this true. But it is true. Have, have, has anyone, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, has anyone experienced that? You're, this is okay if you raise your hand and nod or something. How many of you, your old man has passed away? Was cru- How many of you, the old man was crucified with Christ? We know that because the Bible tells us. Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He said, I don't frustrate the grace of God. I agree with the grace of God. I submit to the grace of God. So if the old man, he said, our old man was crucified with him, that, that. In other words, what follows is a result of what he just said. Our old man was crucified with Christ 
that the sin nature of the flesh might be rendered powerless, dethroned. Well, has that happened? Few people think it has. Has that happened in your life? Has the sin nature of the flesh been dethroned, rendered powerless in your life? You're waking up this morning. Most Christians wish it was so. They want it to be so. They're trying to figure out how they can make it so. The truth is it is so. The sin nature of the flesh has been rendered powerless. It has been dethroned. It has been removed from authority. It no longer rules. Praise the Lord. That we should no longer be a slave of sin. Is that true? One produces another, produces another. It's a fact. People say, well, I just can't stop sinning. Yes, you can. Isn't it funny that somebody that has smoked all their lives and they've, they've tried to give up cigarettes, they've put cigarettes down, they've gone cold turkey, they keep coming. I mean, they have the patch, they chew the gum, they do all the stuff, get hypnotized and they just keep coming back, you know, smoking, I just can't quit. It's funny to me, I've seen this over and over and over again. They get some kind of a terrible diagnosis from the, from the doctor so we'll have to remove part of your lung because your cigarette smoking, you better stop it or you're going to die. I've, it's been amazed that nothing else works, but that works. They're suddenly able to stop smoking. What, what, what was wrong? A lack of motivation. Some people take more motivation than other people. Well, the same thing is true where sin is concerned. How great is your motivation? Some people just aren't motivated enough to serve God. But when you find out the truth, you see, you don't make it true by what you do. You do what you do because it is true. You have been delivered from the law of sin and death. You have been set free. Glory to God. Ooh, hallelujah. Knowing in verse nine, knowing that Christ having been raised from the dead dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. Well, he no longer has, it no longer has dominion over you. Because he says, likewise, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. See, when you, if you will feed, this is what I learned. If you will feed on this, you will begin to live it out. If you'll feed on it in faith, confession in faith, believe it in spite of everything you see, it'll begin to play out in your life. Well, praise the Lord. We've been delivered from the law. The spirit of, uh, of Christ Jesus has delivered us from the law of sin and death. Praise God. Hallelujah. We have been set free from the authority of darkness. Go over to Colossians chapter one. Colossians, one of my... Many all-time favorite scriptures. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Verse number 12 says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the authority or you could say the power of darkness. Glory to God. He has, you could say he has freed us. 
He has set us free from the authority of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Because we've been delivered from the authority of darkness, we've been taken out of that kingdom. That kingdom doesn't rule over us anymore. We're subjects of another kingdom. Glory to God. And because we've been redeemed, because we've been delivered and set free from the authority of darkness, that means we've been set free from everything that goes with it. Hallelujah. Sickness and disease operates under the kingdom of darkness. Sickness and disease is is, uh, a curse that operates under the dominion of darkness. We've been delivered from it. I said we've been delivered from it. When you know that and you believe it, when you realize that you've been freed from the authority of darkness, then when the enemy comes through circumstances, because he'll come through circumstances, when he comes through feelings, when he comes through pain, when he comes through disease, when these things crop up in, in your lives, and they will... Because the body hasn't been changed yet. Our bodies are still mortal. They're still subject to natural death. They're still subject to sickness and disease in the natural realm. And because of, because of our DNA. You ever notice that you look like your parents? You have certain characteristics, physical characteristics. A lot of things are passed down. And they're just in the body. But we've been redeemed from the authority of them. Glory to God. We have been delivered and freed from the authority of anything that operates in the natural realm that's contrary to God's will. Hallelujah. So what do you do? You you say that. You stand on that. You operate in that. You believe that. You confess it. In, in the face of every contradictory evidence. That doesn't mean that you don't take medical treatment if you want to and need to. That's fine. But you don't put your faith in those things. You keep your faith in what God said. Medicine can keep you well and, and feeling better, better long enough for, you to, for your faith to lay hold of things. And there's nothing wrong with that unless the Lord leads you differently. Praise God. Poverty and lack. Belong to the realm of of darkness. The authority of darkness is what what governs the the lack in people's lives. And we have been freed from that authority. Glory to God. I'm not under the dominion of lack. I'm not under the dominion of, of need. For the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not lack. Glory to God. See, if you believe that and act and act like it so. Making provision for it. Instead of making provision for lack, well, I, I just don't have a little bit because I might not, it doesn't look good for the rest of the month. <laughs> no, that's, that's not acting on, your, on the authority that's been given to you. You're, you're, you're submitting to the, to the authority of darkness by being miserly, stingy, Stingy in, uh, toward people. Stingy toward God. Well, praise the Lord. I could meddle right here, but I don't have time. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. We have been delivered and freed from fear. Turn with me to 1 Timothy, excuse me, 2 Timothy 
And let's look at the first chapter, 2 Timothy. Verse number six, therefore I remind you, Paul had told Timothy this before, but Timothy needed reminding. Sometimes I need reminding. Sometimes my wife needs reminding. Sometimes you need reminding. I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands for God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power, love, and a sound mind. You have to stir yourself up to lay hold of everything that belongs to you because fear will keep you out of the promises of God. Amen. The psalmist said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Go over there. Go, go to the 23rd Psalm. Now, you hear the 23rd Psalm read often at funerals. Mainly because it's poetic. It's a great, it's a great piece of poetry. And somehow, you know, to religious people get, you know, moved by it. But it's always misapplied. I said it's misapplied at funerals. Verse number one says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack or I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, listen to verse number four. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Now, at funerals, they always apply that to 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 the death that has just occurred. That we all experience the loss of a loved one or a friend. And when someone dies, you know, we're grieving. And then I'm not making fun of anybody, but I'm telling you what's, what's mis, misapplied here because there's power if you understand the truth. This is not talking about times of, of, of sorrow and loss. It's not what it's talking about. We walk through the valley of the shadow of death every day because we are redeemed people. We are full of life. We have been raised up with Christ. But our entire world that we walk through is is referred to here as the valley of the shadow of death. There's death all around us. Spiritual death, darkness, it's all around us. We experience this every day, but realize it's just the shadow of death. It's just the shadow of death. Death doesn't come into us. It doesn't lay hold of us because we've been delivered from sin and death, praise God. But the, it, it casts its shadow on us. We don't drop our heads and begin to moan and cry and wring our hands because though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we fear no evil. <laughs> For he is with us. 
His rod and his staff, they comfort us. The word and the spirit, glory to God, bring comfort into our lives. In that when that shadow falls upon us, you ever been outside on a bright day and, and an, an airplane flies over and then suddenly you see the shadow go by and you go, where'd that come from? Way up there, there's an airplane. Well, does that ruin your day? Oh man, I thought it was a sunny day, but look at the shadow. It's just a shadow. Continue your golf game. Continue whatever you're doing. Enjoy. It's just a shadow. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be afraid. Just just because that shadow flew over doesn't mean that plane's gonna come down and hit me. Fear no evil, for He is with me. Glory to God. His word and His Spirit they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. We we we're in the presence of enemies all the time. I'm not talking about our neighbors. I'm not talking about the HOA you belong to. I'm talking. I'm talking, I'm talking about the enemies in the spirit realm. I'm not talking about your coworkers. I'm not talking about your in-laws. I'm talking about the spiritual enemies that are all around us. Ooh, glory. He has prepared a table for me in the presence of my enemy. You know, if I was full of fear, I wouldn't be able to enjoy the table. But when I know my enemies, they might be yapping all around me, threatening all around. But when I know I've been delivered, I've been freed from the authority, all of that, I just enjoy the dumplings. I just bring on another helping. I praise God. Give me another helping of God's blessing. Give me another helping of prosperity. Give me another helping of righteousness. Give me another helping of joy. Give me another. I just sit back at the table and, and, and you, can't, you can't be a glutton at this table. You can't overeat, praise God. Well, hallelujah. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We've been delivered from fear, praise God. Hallelujah. When fear comes knocking, we just send it on its way. Amen. Oh, boy, I tell you what, I wish I had time for all of this. Glory to God. Oppression. We have been delivered from oppression. Every one of us has experienced oppression, spiritual oppression. Just because, you, just because the oppression comes against you doesn't mean you have to take it. When that darkness of this life, when the temptations of life, when the, when the situations of life seem to pile up against you, it can create a form of oppression. It oppresses you, it weights you down. Until you realize, wait a minute, I've been delivered from oppression. Go with me to Isaiah 54. Isaiah 54. Let's look at verse 13. Isaiah 54, verse 13. All your children shall be taught by the Lord. I can stop right here and give you a real word of encouragement. Parents, believe this. Just would you please believe this? Would you for crying out loud, just believe this? Act on this? Confess this? Instead of wringing your hands, oh, I don't know if my children are gonna make it or not. I'm doing my best. No, you're not doing your best because you're, you're doubting unbelief. All your children shall be taught of the Lord. 
I, I read this when my kids were, were young. I said, all my children, and it extends to my grandchildren, will be taught of the Lord. Glory to God. Great shall be the peace of my children. In righteousness you shall be established. You shall be far from oppression, for, it, for you shall not fear. See, fear opens the door for oppression. I, I, I experience oppression in, in my life in the sense that oppression comes against me, but I don't open the door to it. So no, you don't. I'm not taking that. I don't, I'm not, it, it's, it's, it's not coming near my spirit, man. It's hitting me from the outside. It's not getting in me. You've been freed from oppression. When, when things begin to oppress and weight you down, wake up and realize you've been freed from oppression. You've been delivered from it. Stand up, shake yourself and say, no, you don't. I'm not going to have a blue day. I'm not going to be discouraged. I'm not going to be oppressed. I'm not going to be brought into bondage. Glory to God. You shall be far from oppression. That, that, that gives me the idea that oppression comes, but I leave it. I just leave it right there. And just say, you know, I'm, I'm going to have no fellowship with this oppression. And I just go on my way. Just leave it there. Praise the Lord. Be far from it. The further you, the more you act in faith, the more you speak the word of liberty, the further you get away from oppression. Hallelujah. And from terror, for it shall not come near you. Indeed, they shall surely assemble, but not because of me, says the Lord. Whoever assembles against you shall fall for your sake. When oppression and terror comes against you, just know the enemy is going to fall in his own trap. He's going to fall in his own trap. This, just remember, it didn't come from the Lord. He said, it'll come, but it's not coming from me. Well, if it's not coming from him, then you don't have any business. When my mama taught me when I was real little, I don't have any business with things that belong to somebody else. Amen. And, when, and if something's from the devil, I certainly don't want that. Well, praise the Lord. Let's look at, that was, that was number four, condemnation. Romans 8. Again, Romans 8. Verse number one, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. There is no now no condemnation condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Did you know there's no condemnation coming against you from God? God is not condemning you for anything. Jesus told the woman that was taken in authority, he said, where are your accusers? And she said, no man accuses. He said, he said, neither do I condemn you. Neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. God is not the condemner. The enemy will condemn. Your own heart can condemn you. Turn to First uh, John Chapter 3. Turn, turn to 1 John 3. Verse 18 says, My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure, now notice this, we shall assure or persuade our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. 
Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Condemnation doesn't come from God. But if you do wrong, your heart will condemn you. And you have to get that right and get that settled. But God will always point you out. He will not condemn you, make you feel bad. Your heart will condemn you. But God has always said, come on out. Come on out. Come on out of it. It's all right. Because in Christ Jesus, you have been declared righteous, praise God. It, our conduct is not always what it ought to be. Now, for most of us, there, I know there's a scattering of you out there that you're perfect all the time. I haven't met you yet, but our conduct is not always what it ought to be, but it doesn't distinct, it doesn't extinguish the truth. It doesn't change the truth. What is true in us in Christ Jesus is more real than our conduct dictates or would, or would suggest. Amen. That's why, that's why non-Christians get, get confused sometimes because they see believers who say one thing and then they live another way and then they, then they want to uh, uh, criticize the truth. Well, if that's the way those people live, I don't want anything. Oh, well, are they right in doing that? Are they justified in doing that? Are they justified in turning away from the truth just because you acted wrong? No, because the truth is the truth. The truth isn't judged on the basis of our behavior. Our behavior is judged on the basis of the truth. And the truth is constant. Well, praise the Lord. We've been redeemed from these things. I want the ushers to prepare to wait on us today. Glory to God. We're going to receive communion from the Lord. And and then I'm going to talk just a few more minutes after that. Glory to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread and let's break it and let's eat together. Lord Jesus, we take this and we eat it. Hallelujah. In remembrance of you and that your body was broken for us. Glory to God that we might all be gathered together in your precious body. The wonderful body of Christ. Glory to God. We are members with you, joined with you and members of one another. And we thank you for that. We also thank you, Lord Jesus, that your body was beaten and scourged for our healing. And we believe it and we receive that, Father. We receive that, Lord Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. In like manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. 
Let us drink the cup together. Hallelujah. The cup that we drink represents the blood of Jesus. The new covenant was established by blood. The new covenant was established by the suffering of Christ who laid everything down that we might be free. Glory to God. He laid aside everything. He gambled everything because he couldn't be assured that you would receive because it's a, it's a matter of, of personal will. God will do everything he can to make it available, but it's up to the individual to choose. He went to the cross. He shed his blood. He allowed his body to be smitten so that we could be free. Praise God. Father, we thank you today that we're free by the blood of Jesus. The Son has made us free, and we are free indeed. Glory to God. We're free from sin and death. We're free from the authority of darkness, poverty, and sickness. We're free from fear, oppression, and condemnation because of what Jesus did when he laid down his life. Glory to God. We're so grateful. Hallelujah. You know, the scripture says you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Even though we have been set free, you still have to know it for it to work. So on the one hand, we've been freed. On another hand, it's knowing the truth that says you have to know what belongs to you to enjoy the freedom. Amen? Amen. Paul went on to say then, having been set free, he said, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which, by which Christ has made us free. Do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Don't go back under the, that that you've been redeemed from, that that you've been set free from, that that you've been given liberty. Stand fast in your liberty. Don't allow yourself to go back under bondage. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, today is the 4th of July. Like I said, this is a day in which we remember that we were freed. On the 4th of July, 1776, 56 men put their signatures on a document called the Declaration of Independence. Now, there's been a lot, a lot has been said in recent times about our nation and about our way of life and our governance. And a lot has been said about our Constitution. And we have, we are often reminded that we are not a democracy, we are a constitutional republic. Now, this is a church service and we seek first the kingdom of God. But as Christians... We recognize that God's hand was in the birthing of this nation. God's hand was upon these men who pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honors, honor to this document. God was in it. And because of their devotion to God, 
this nation that has been unlike any nation before on the, on the face of the earth was birthed. It is right and fitting for Christians to give honor to God for this. And on this day, the 4th of July, this is when our nation turns its attention to our freedom. There was a a Frenchman who came to the United States in the early 19th century. Alex, uh, or Alexis de de Tocqueville. Or if you're French, it'd be de Tocqueville. And he toured around this infant nation. Like I said, the early 1800s. And he went back to, to... France and wrote a book about the American way of life as he saw it. And he described our nation as an exceptional nation. We were described by this Frenchman, a foreigner, as an exceptional people. What he saw in the United States of America was a nation unlike any nation ever before. Because it had been founded upon the pure principles of the word of God. He saw something in our nation. He described the morality of our people. That we had a a common morality. And that our sense in America, our sense, our national sense, our collective understanding of right and wrong was unparalleled in history. And he realized it was based upon our religion. Our founders in the Declaration of Independence mentioned it. The Declaration of Independence is not a long document, it's a short document. Our God is mentioned five times in the Declaration of Independence. In the declaration, John Hancock wrote it, put his big signature, all the other men put their signatures on it. It it talked about the, the, the laws of nature. Well, they come from God. Then he talks about the God of nature. Talks about the creator. Talks about the judge of the whole world. Mentions divine providence. All of these are references to God. Our nation was, was birthed in belief in the God of Israel. Not the God of Islam. The God of Israel. Our nation was, was planted and, and, and built upon the morals and the moral obligation to the God of the Old Testament. All of the precepts, all of the sense of right and wrong came straight out of the Bible. Now, our founders did not establish a national religion because it was based on the freedom of will of every individual to either know God or not. But Christianity was the overwhelming religion of the day. And it cast its light throughout our land. Our nation isn't perfect Because people aren't perfect. The men who signed the Declaration of Independence, there were 50 
Did I say 56, 53, something, 50 something, 56, I think, signers, maybe 53, I don't remember. They weren't perfect men. They were all wealthy, influential men. They were well-educated men. I think uh, uh, the highest percentage of them, maybe 24 uh, 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 of them were lawyers or jurists. Many were merchants. And about nine of them were were prominent uh, 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 plantation owners. They were all people of means, people who were recognized, people of stature, people of honor. Were they all right all the time? No. Our nation was, was created in a time when slavery was practiced all over the world. And our, some of our leaders were involved in that. They weren't perfect, but you notice our nation corrected that. As we move forward, we have always strived to correct the wrongs. And just like with Christianity, you don't judge Christianity on the basis of people. Because people will fall short, but you stick to the ideals. And the same thing is true in our nation. People have done wrong, but you don't judge the nation on, 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 in the light of the people who haven't lived up to the mark. The mark is still there. It was a high mark. The Declaration of Independence says... where it says that we hold these truths to be self-evident. We hold these truths. Well, before this, the previous paragraph or the first paragraph says, when in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. Did we always live up to that? No, but the principle was there. The foundation was there and we eventually reached that. All men are created equal that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And he goes on to talk about the grievances that the colonists had with the crown that they have had sought over and over again for redress and they were never met. And so they declared themselves independent. In the last Part of this, I'm trying to see if I want to read the whole paragraph. I'll skip the whole paragraph, just leave this last sentence. And for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Over half of these signers suffered the loss of life and or the loss of fortune, but they did not suffer 
the loss of their sacred honor. And they could have. If the American Revolution had not succeeded, the odds were stacked way heavily against the colonists. They were facing the, the British army, a well-seasoned and, and, and disciplined, massive armed force. There was, there was little likelihood of success. And make no mistake, if it had failed, every one of these signers would have been hunted down and hanged. Every one of them. Their wives and children would have been confiscated in prison. Their property would have been confiscated. And that did happen to some of them. Like I said, about half of them suffered either loss of life and or loss of fortune. But because it prevailed, but because our nation prevailed, they did not lose their sacred honor. They could have. They pledged it all. And it makes me think of Jesus that pledged it all. He put it all on the line for us. These men put this all on the line for us. And God honored their devotion to him. He did. God was in it. God's God's hand was on the colonists. And we won a war of independence that there's no earthly way we should have won except divine providence. The perfect like he said, the protection of divine providence. And it's good for Christians to give honor and thank God for that today. Like I said, we haven't always been right, but our truths are right. The foundation of our nation is right. Listen, church, we don't need to begin to let other cultures, other nations, other belief systems have equal standing in the United States of America. They are, not what, they are not what gave birth to this nation. The truth of this book is what gave birth to this nation. And it is not our obligation. Now every man is free in our nation to believe what they want to. But as a nation, we are not obligated to abandon our own foundation in order for somebody else's foundation. We're not required by God. In fact, God doesn't want us to do it. He wants us to stay true to the word of God. Now I'm going to tell you something right now. Our nation is in trouble. A recent Gallup poll has just shown that for the first time, less than half of American adults even identify with any house of worship. Now, it's not talking about how many go to church. That's a, that's a, that would be even a smaller number. But the question was asked, do you identify with any church, synagogue, mosque, or place of religion, any any place do you even identify with it? And only 47% of Americans said they even identify with a place of worship, let alone attend. Don't even, you know a lot of people don't go to church, but they identify with one. Well, now that's, that's, that's fallen under 50% for the first time. Church, the United States of America is following the path of socialist Europe right now. Right now, we are on that path. I'm talking about in the natural. Now, we're people of faith, but I'm talking about what's going on in the natural. The United States of America is on the path, the same path that socialist Europe followed.
one of the big problems in our in our nation and our understanding of our governance is sometimes we've put too much emphasis on the United States Constitution when the emphasis really should be on the Declaration of Independence. And I'll tell you what I mean. <clears throat> Abraham Lincoln once compared the Declaration of Independence and the United States Constitution to the, to the 25th proverb. Turn over to Proverbs 25. Proverbs 25, verse number 11, says, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. And Abraham Lincoln used this scripture as a metaphor for the United States Declaration of Independence and the U.S. Constitution. And he likened the Declaration of Independence as the apples of gold and the Constitution as the picture of silver that surrounded it. One person said that the United States, that the, that the Declaration of Independence is the conscience of the United States Constitution. The conscience, the laws are, are, are laid out and, and the laws were, were put together to limit government. In fact, one person wrote that every bill of rights or whatever it might be called anywhere in the world has always been written to limit the power of government, every single one. And our Constitution was written to to provide a a framework to limit government and to ensure the principles of the Declaration of, uh, of Independence. But the conscience of it And our devotion to God and reliance to God is in the the Declaration of Independence. The, the, The apple of gold was not created for the picture surrounding it and the framing surrounding it. The picture of silver and the frame around it were were designed to point to the apple, to secure the apple, to provide a framework for the apple. What I'm saying today is there's been a lot of talk about the Constitution, and, and and and, and I'm all for that. But I challenge you to go back and read the Declaration of Independence again. Because like someone said, I don't remember who it was, but someone said in government that the Declaration of Independence is the conscience of the Constitution. Because it outlay, it outlines our reliance upon God. And that God is the, is the author of all just law. It's all found right in here. Glory to God. Where on else, where where else on earth can you find a nation that can compare to the United States of America? Our liberties are based upon the word of God unlike any place on the planet. We call them the unalienable God-given rights and natural laws that God set up. Our spreading of the gospel 
throughout the world. Has, it's, it's come from the United States in a measure that no other nation has ever produced before. The United States of America and the church in the United States of America has literally evangelized the entire world. And we have a long-standing relationship with Israel from the very beginning of its independence in 1948. We have stood with Israel. We have supported her and defended her. This sets us apart. We are truly an exceptional nation. And we are not to give in in these days to this idea of multiculturalism. We're supposed to have our own culture. It's supposed to be the culture of godliness. That's what, that's what founded our nation. Well, yeah, a lot has happened and we're not that anymore and time is that. Yeah, but it doesn't have to be that way. That's the lie that the enemy has been saying for decades and decades and decades. Christians need to stand up for the truth. Stand up for the truth and stand up for America. Stand up for the ideals upon which it was, it was birthed. And remind ourselves and remind other people that we are still an exceptional nation. We're being challenged. We're being challenged. I'm telling you, the assault is on and it's real. But Steve, this morning, said that we can prevail through that name, the name of Jesus. We need to speak the name of Jesus over the United States of America over our people, over our nation, over all the processes that go on. Amen. We will do that. Our leaders need prayer. But our people need prayer. Our nation needs prayer. It really does. Because the assault of the enemy is heated. And they have, it, the enemy has no plans of turning back. Only a revived church. Only a church full of the Holy Ghost and fire will make a difference in these days. Amen. Let's be that church. Praise God. Father, we dedicate like our founding fathers pledged their lives, fortunes, and their sacred honor to the establishing of such an exceptional nation among the nations of the world. Father, we, we pledge our lives. We pledge our fortunes and our sacred honor to uphold the name of Jesus over our nation, to speak life, to speak deliverance, to speak the freedom that comes from Christ Men receive that in their spirits as they choose to follow Christ. And men receive freedom in their, in their natural lives by a choice to follow the precepts of freedom. And not to be talked out of it. Not to be ridiculed out of it. Not to be shamed out of it. But to take their stand for these principles. Many men, Father, you know well 
Many men have fought, given all they had, shed their blood. And they weren't all saved men, but they did it for the cause of what's contained in this Bible. It didn't take them to heaven, but you accepted their efforts as worthy for the establishing and the safeguarding of this nation. And you brought us through two world wars when the odds were stacked against us, but you helped us by many saved and unsaved alike. Father, we are your church. We are your people called by your name. And we have the name of Jesus. And we pray for our leaders and we pray for our people. We pray for the people of the United States. So many that walk in darkness, we pray for them, Father. That great light, those that sit in great darkness, that light would come to them. That they would rise up in that light and follow you. And I perceive that there is yet a change and a turning. The winds and the tide will turn for a brief time, for just a brief period. The tide will turn and the winds will change and a great reviving and awakening will happen. And many in our nation will walk in the light of that new flow and of that change of direction. Not all will, but many will. The time will be short and the work of God will be completed. Father, we pray for that. We pray for that time and that moving again of your grace in our nation. We pray for for revival. We pray for awakening in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Well, praise the Lord. We've been set free in spirit, and we've been set free as a nation. Let us stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has set us free. Let us not be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. Let us not. That that is a personal decision. In your own life spiritually, it's also a personal decision in your life as a citizen of this great nation. Purpose in your heart not to be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.